0: If you're not living under a rock, which you probably aren't, you've heard these terms being thrown around, fintech, blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, NFTs, and you're probably wondering what's all the fuss. If that's you, then you need to listen in on this conversation. Tristan Palou breaks it all down for us and gives us a foundation and points us in the right direction on where to get more information. So if you're an entrepreneur, this is where you need to put your focus. tuned welcome to reinventing perspectives the show that's made for christian entrepreneurs we're going to talk about everything from faith to business principles to family life to profitability to strategy to tactics to self-care if you need it we'll talk about it i'm your host priscilla shumba without wasting any more time let's dive into our conversation we have a very exciting guest. We have Tristan Pellou, and he is the editor at Fintech Review and director at Stratage Y. And we're so excited to have you on. Please introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Thank you very much for having me. My name is Tristan Pelou. I am a Frenchman living in Barcelona. I moved to Barcelona about eight, nine months ago. I was in London for many years working in um, banking, in, in corporate strategy. And I decided to leave London and leave the corporate world. And and I started a couple of ventures. So this is my background.
0: Tell us how you got started in this journey of entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, sure. So I was thinking for many years that one day I'll have my own company. I always thought that ultimately I won't stay in the corporate world forever. And I would start something and build something and see it grow. I think it was always in the back of my mind And when I decided to leave London and I moved here, I thought that in spite of the the pandemic, it could be the perfect time to start a business. That's how it all started. I guess it was an old idea. And then I thought, you know what, why not? Why uh, now is not the right time for me to do it?
0: You make this move and you've been thinking about fintech review
1: yes yes exactly uh, i had started fintech review as, as a side thing uh, as i was still working for virgin money in london it was just a personal blog where i was writing my thoughts here and then and when i thought okay maybe it's the right time for me to start something i thought that i should do something that i like and i'm uh, passionate about so i was like what would i do on every day that would make me you know, happy to, to get up and, and to work during the day. And that's how I thought, you know what? Maybe I should start to scale a fintech review and chances are I can transform it and, and turn it into a, a real business. I guess for me, it was all the point around trying to do something I like because, you know, in, in your life, you're, you're going to end up working for many years, so you might as well do something that uh, that you like.
0: Absolutely true. What is fintech review?
1: As I was saying, it started as a personal blog where I was just writing a few things about, you know, what is fintech? What is this? What is that? When I sat down and I thought, okay, this is probably not enough to be a business. So I was like, oh, I'm going to turn it into a bit of a niche media where you get opinions on various things that are happening in the fintech world and i also started doing interviews and now i've launched a, a premium newsletter as well as i'm writing reports so the idea really is to be a content platform about the fintech world uh, more broadly so i'm working on an online course so I'm, I'm working on on various stuff that are part of the fintech world my idea behind it is just to uh, kind of spread the knowledge about what's going on in the industry, kind of go into what's happening, trying to dissect a bit the the trends, trying to connect the dots. And I think the line behind it is to have a strong opinion about things and kind of try to not to be neutral, like purposely help people understand what's going on and kind of show things that maybe they haven't seen. And for the audience, it's really everyone from people that are just getting started trying to understand what's going on or people that are a bit more advanced in their journey in fintech and want to learn more about certain aspects.
0: Now, Tristan, I'm going to take you back a little bit just because we have an audience that might or might not be familiar with what is fintech. Maybe you can give us your definition of fintech and then we can go from there.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, no, it's true. I spent so much time in it that uh, I think that everybody knows everything about it. But uh, I guess fintech is a very broad term, but in a sense, it's just about using technology in financial services. Fintech in, emerged as an industry 10 years ago after the financial crisis where lots of startups started to launch to try to modernize financial services by incorporating much more technology in the financial services industry uh, by simplifying lots of processes, automating lots of processes, because a lot of things, even to this day, are still manual. But you can date back what fintech is, you know, from every, every time that technology was introduced in financial services, you can think that this was, you know, fintech financial technology. Like it's a very broad industry because it goes from banks that are, using financial technology to modernize their operations to pure play fintech uh, startups like uh, Stripe or Revolut or uh, Xinja in Australia or 86400. So these are pure fintech players. And then you also have, I would say within fintech, then you have like crypto and then blockchain technology applied to financial services become fintech but if, it, if not it's it's just technology so as i said it's very broad that's what what i like i mean the way i look at it i try to think about it as any innovation that is happening in financial services i usually would categorize it as fintech as a as a broad category i'm of the opinion that almost everything everything is fintech There is a Mm -hmm. a famous venture capital firm, uh, Anderson uh, Horowitz. Um, They said that soon every company will be a fintech. So at that point, I mean, I I guess my scope will be even broader. Uh, Just because more and more companies are integrating financial services, or at least, for instance, payments within their organization. So then they become much more involved into financial services, whereas before they would just delegate that to another company.
0: Now, let me jump into Fintech Review, amazing online media. I went on there and I was reading a lot of your articles, which were very, very interesting. But one particular article really, really caught my eye. And it was titled, Kodak Moment in Financial Services. I think it was with a question mark. Could yeah. Could you yeah, yeah. give us the premise behind that article?
1: Yeah, I always like to, uh, to, more the analysis, I like to start them with a question. The Kodak moment in financial services, I actually had good fun writing this one. And it's to talk about how a company uh, can completely miss a shift in its industry. So I'm taking the example of Kodak is that Kodak used to be a top dog. It was the number one in in, uh, photography, and a Kodak moment is literally in the dictionary as as trying to take a picture to immortalize a moment. So this is how big Kodak was. But they took a series of wrong decisions about where the industry was going, especially when it comes to digital. And then, you know, they still exist now, but they're just a shadow of the company that they were 25 years ago 30 years ago you have other examples so in in this article i talk about nokia nokia is also famous and there is a famous for forbes cover where you know since seven nokia is a king of cell phones and can someone come and beat the king yeah and you know obviously like, a few years later apple comes well actually i think it was the same year apple comes up with an iphone and and then it's just downhill for nokia at that point so Taking these examples and looking at the banking industry, the Kodak moment for me is when it's like a lack of leadership. The the leadership of these companies just didn't have the vision to see where the industry was going and they failed. Well, they failed basically the organization and their shareholders. And I'm trying to make a distinction between you have a, a momentarily a lack of vision, so some companies have have taken the wrong steps, but then they went back, like Apple or IBM. They kind of made a few wrong decisions, but they still survived because they, they came back from it. But some companies didn't. And I'm trying to look at banking and see, are they having their Kodak moment? Is that they fail to see where the industry is going? What are the threats? You know, all the, the new banks emerging and the fintech startups are... Are not startups anymore. You know, you take a company like Stripe. It was decent size five years ago, but it grew massively, and now it's a hundred billion company. And banks kind of didn't do anything about it. I feel a lot of banks are just looking and just you know sitting there and waiting for their company to collapse. It's a bit weird. So I mean, I didn't conclude it saying okay, it's definitely a correct moment in financial services because. This is the kind of thing that you can only know a few years after, but we might look back, you know, let's say in five years and look back and say, okay, this was definitely a Kodak moment for for financial services. You know, remember this bank and now is it just the shadow of themselves? And you you can see a, a few big banks that are already on their way down. Some are. Maintaining their positions, but it's it's obviously I feel an inflection point in the industry
0: What innovation in FinTech are you most excited about right now?
1: I obviously look a lot you know, at what's happening in crypto because I find it interesting There are lots of novelty Within it and lots of things are not so novel, but a different take on it What I'm really interested in is finding true innovation in the sense that uh, of not really uh, taking something that traditional financial institutions are doing or or big banks are doing and trying to do it a bit with a nicer app. What what I I really find interesting is when a company tries to invent something completely new. That's why I am quite interested in the crypto world from that aspect is that it's quite novel. There are different takes on, on traditional financial services. It's also something I wrote about a few weeks ago. You have a lot of uh, untrue innovation in the sense that it doesn't really solve for people's needs and it doesn't really change from what banks are doing. It's a bit like um, famous strategy book, Blue Ocean Strategy and Red Ocean Strategy, which is are you in a red ocean? So with lots of sharks, there's lots of blood, you're competing with other people or are you creating something completely new you're just in the blue ocean and you're creating a new category of businesses and this is what i'm trying to find but it's hard obviously the thing is you don't have that many you don't have that many companies are coming up with something that is truly innovative you need to be very courageous to launch something that is completely new it's a new market i do try to you know find this kind of innovation this is what really excites me
0: it's interesting that you say that because for the ordinary person who's looking at cryptocurrencies we have no idea what the reasoning behind the cryptocurrencies at this point it's almost just like coins popping up everywhere and nobody really knows if it's actually solving an actual problem or if it's just Mm. another coin where would they find that information
1: it's a fast-moving space uh, and there's lots of interest so it's true that there is lots of, uh, I would say, garbage out there because that's the thing when you have hype, too many people are trying to go into that space and making a quick buck by, by kind of launching uh, quick scams. But I think that there's lots of things to read out there about what uh, cryptocurrencies are. I wrote about you know, the difference between blockchain and cryptocurrencies and what's going on with Bitcoin. So, yeah, I think there is no real secret about it that you just need to try to read as much as possible, starting from the beginning, which is trying to understand what a cryptocurrency is and trying to see how it might fit within the economy and the economic models. If you look at Ethereum, for instance, or, or Bitcoin, it's very different things. It can be both called cryptocurrencies but they have very different functions that's why within fintech let's say it's a broad category because you have so many different coins and so many of them have a different kind of purpose bitcoin is more a store of value similar to uh, what gold is so it's just a way for you to stash some money there and kind of hedge yourself against inflation over the long run whereas Ethereum is more a network to build smart contracts which are contracts on the blockchain that can work automatically rather than, than relying on lawyers so my only advice to people who want to know more about the space is just to read about it before going into really trying to, to understand what's happening in the news so going you know on Coindesk or Cointelegraph or all this news specialized in crypto, I think recommend just trying to get the basics right first and and then build on that knowledge.
0: Since you mentioned Ethereum and you said it's about smart contracts, what do you mean by that?
1: So a smart contract is a contract that kind of you build in, in the blockchain. It would have the same elements as a normal contract. But what you, in the end, do is that you create some automatism within the contract. So let's say I um, build a contract saying that I will pay you a thousand per month for 12 months because we're working together. You provide a service that I'm looking for. We put this contract on the blockchain. What it will do is that automatically you will get paid because. It is binding for both of us. So the big promise of blockchain is that you try to eliminate intermediaries. So in the sense that if you and I agree on this contract, we put it on the blockchain, you don't need to trust that I'm going to pay you because, you know, it will be automatic. You won't have to go ask for a lawyer to implement the contract if I don't pay you. You know, you would have lots of clauses within a contract. and. You don't need to do all that that's kind of one of the premise of doing a smart contract you can have many applications obviously but especially in financial services where many times you have lots of intermediaries like clearing houses and usually big banks don't trust each other so to be sure that the other party is going to pay them so you you put a deposit at a third party and this third party would ultimately pay you if something happens so it, with a smart contract, you can eliminate all that. You don't need to trust the other person because everything is automatic, transparent, and the record is you know, for everybody to see, or at least the parties in the contract.
0: Now, this raises another question for me, Tristan, because people say, especially in the mainstream media, that cryptocurrency, the value is coming from, is just speculation. And then you see the coins kind of rise up and then drop and then rise up and then drop. The volatility is just absurd. But then now you're saying that it's actually the technologies behind the cryptocurrency or the problems that the cryptocurrencies solve. Is that where the value is coming from? Or is it that and the speculation? Where is the value coming from in these cryptocurrencies?
1: There's a bit or a lot of truth in that is there is some speculation with cryptocurrencies to put it back into context is that there is speculation in most financial assets so there's speculation in in the stock market in in bonds in, uh, in real estate there is speculation in everything it's very visible with cryptocurrencies because the values are. In the grand scheme of things, not not that important. You know, even if it's a trillion or two trillion, it's not, it's, it's not a lot uh, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of financial markets. And there is a lot of speculation because there's a lot of money in the system. Because of the quantitative easing of central banks, there's been lots of money being printed uh, all over the world. So what it does is that ultimately all this money is ending up in the financial markets of all sorts so it goes into equity and then equity goes to the roof and then goes into bonds bonds like you know rates go very low and it needs to find uh, a house basically and and then it goes into crypto and that's that's what has pushed a lot cryptocurrencies over the past year that combined with the fact that a lot of people were at home a bit bored and there's been lots of you know, speculation and, and gambling. And you've seen it with Robin Hood and the whole GameStop debacle or at, at least frenzy. So There is a lot of hype and, and speculation and, and all that good stuff. But as you say, at the same time, the technology behind it is very promising. And there are lots of applications beyond just cryptocurrencies There is what we call enterprise blockchain, which is trying to use the technology to going back to what is fintech, use the technology to really transform financial services and make it better. So get rid of some of the friction that you have, get rid of some things that are not logical, like, you know, having a third party to make sure that uh, two banks uh, that don't trust each other can do business, trying to Use this technology to really transform financial services, and then beyond that, there are lots of things you can do with it in logistics, for instance. It's a very interesting technology, and beyond the hype, you know, even if cryptos kind of you know, go up and down and collapse and go back up, the technology is here to stay.
0: Is it fair to say that because of the pandemic and central banks printing a lot of money? across the globe that people are looking for safe havens for their money and is that what has kind of pushed cryptocurrency to move at a faster rate or to become more visible at a faster rate
1: yeah so i think it's just because investors generally so that's why you've seen also lots of institutional investors like uh, blackrock or or most of the big wall street guys uh, getting into crypto is that it's where the growth has been and they see it. And when they look at the other financial assets, they don't see this kind of prospects in terms of growth. So mm. the, so the views they're taking is, okay, we should get in because this is where we can have a bit of growth and returns over time, uh, probably because if it goes in the right direction, or at least there is volatility and, you know, investment banks also make money out of volatility. So that's because all the other markets, they've, it's not that they've reached their limits, but it's just that there isn't so much room to grow, whereas there is a lot of room to grow in, in cryptocurrency. So, so it's not really, I wouldn't say a safe haven. It's more like a new playground for a lot of investors.
0: Got it. Now, Tristan, please tell us, which cryptocurrencies are you keeping an eye on?
1: So... I mostly keep an eye on Bitcoin because it's the most popular cryptocurrency. I see it as a potential alternative to gold and some investors are believing that as well. So I keep an eye on this one because it has the most depth and the higher market value. So I do find it interesting. And I also look at Dogecoin that is going uh, as a kind of a joke that becomes... Serious and it's also telling because you just wonder what's going on. You know, Elon Musk and others are finding it funny to push it to new highs. So I keep an eye on it because I find it slightly amusing and also a bit concerning. But yeah, so I would say mostly Bitcoin just because I think that, um, as you say, there are too many coins out there. Most won't find a place in this market. Some can like um, stable coins. I also. An interesting concept which are cryptocurrencies backed by actual currencies so you would have like a coin that is just worth one dollar you use it for settlement between banks or this kind of stuff so i keep an eye on at this kind of cryptocurrencies as well
0: what changes in fintech could be opportunities or drawbacks for the new or early entrepreneur
1: I think that what's great for an entrepreneur at the moment, whatever the sector you are in, is that you can embed financial services within your business very easily. Let's say you have a a digital business, accepting payments, uh, you know, setting up stuff is super easy because you have lots of companies out there that make it easy for you to really like set up your business on the financial side of things, as well as, you know, opening an account and it's incredible how easy it is now for a business to kind of at least be ready to be paid or manage its business. You have so many tools. Some of them are free. Some of them you pay fees on it, but I think it's a great time and it's only going to go, you know, one way is that more innovation will be even more embedded and easier for businesses to, to incorporate that in, in their customer journeys. You know, there is a big trend called the embedded finance where Basically, you you embed even more the the financial part of a customer journey, so that the customer doesn't feel it. And some companies have already done that. You know, Amazon they try to do this. So then, when you to check out, it's all super easy. You click, and and then you don't even know that you've actually paid. So this is going to be a trend going forward, and entrepreneurs will benefit really from it i mean for me when i set up my business was super easy like you have so many tools and opening an account is not a pain as it used to be especially a business account and accepting payments in various currencies so then if you have international customers you don't have to worry about this it's a great great time with uh, when it comes to fintech in in the broader business world
0: i remember i was Struggling to think, okay, how will I get paid from Amazon.com when I'm here in Australia? And when I started researching, because I was thinking the traditional way of getting a bank account, there were just so many hurdles to getting a traditional US bank account. But then I just found an online service that gave me US bank account details, Payoneer. I just had to register online and that was all sorted for me. So definitely, I do see that the really big opportunity for entrepreneurs across the globe. At what point do you think that entrepreneurs should seriously think about maybe even accepting some of these cryptocurrencies for payment? Should they even think about it? Because they are, like you said, there are so many coins out there and you never know which one is a scam coin and which one is a real coin.
1: I think it's a fair question. It depends a lot on who your customers are. But I guess uh, the broader uh, customer base, uh, the more chances you will have people that might want to pay in cryptocurrencies. I think that more and more big uh, payment systems will allow you to get paid into cryptocurrencies anyway. Visa is trying to implement it and same with MasterCard and PayPal and others. So, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much unless as as an entrepreneur, you really want to be paid in cryptocurrencies. But otherwise, I'm saying that it's not going to be long until the major providers will tell you, well, look, now you can accept, you know, euros, dollars and Bitcoin if you want to, because they will integrate that into their own technology. They don't want to miss any opportunities. And, you know, when you look at guys like PayPal, they are absolutely huge and they know they have everything to gain in integrating crypto payments within their own operations. So it will eventually happen. Yeah, My advice wouldn't to focus on it too much, unless you think that as a business it's really crucial for you to, to accept cryptocurrencies, otherwise I think six months from now most businesses will be able to, uh, if you go through these uh, providers, you'll be able to accept uh, cryptocurrencies anyway.
0: Everybody's talking about NFTs. Telling us exactly what an NFT is first and then what it means for maybe entrepreneurs in the content creation space.
1: Yeah, I think an NFT is an interesting development within the whole uh, blockchain world. So NFTs are non-fungible token and non-fungible in the sense that in economics, a fungible asset is something that you can change for something else. So, for instance, when it comes to money, you can change a $10 bill for two, $5 bill. So that's, that means it's fungible. If it's non-fungible, it means that can it be interchanged. So think about a painting, a painting is non-fungible. The Mona Lisa is in the Louvre and it's non-fungible. There is one. And that's it. So that's a bit the promise behind NFTs. So trying to replicate the way basically the art world works in the real world where you know you only have one painting and the value of the painting is because you can identify it as being the original. So trying to do that for digital files. So trying to do that and the way to get around it, I guess, is to think about it as an autographed version of something. So there can be a million out there, a million picture of me. But if I sign one, there will be only one. right? And you try to ascribe a value to that original version. And this is what NFTs are trying to do. And it's obviously working with, with blockchain. And... It can be really revolutionary because, as you know, what I was saying about smart contracts is that what you can do with an NFT is I, Tristan, create something. Then I can create the token in a way that I will sell a portion of it. But every time that someone else is selling it, then I can get a percentage back as kind of royalties forever. It exists already without blockchain, like for instance, songs. Musicians kind of write a song and they will get paid forever on the royalties that come with this song. So it's trying to bring this whole legal world that exists in the arts world, in the real world, to the digital world. When you look at it, when when you read a bit more, it's not that crazy. Obviously, from the distance, it looks crazy because you see NFTs being sold for $70 million and you wonder what the hell is going on. But actually, when you look into it, it could be quite revolutionary for creators, especially digital creators, to keep control of what they're creating and really get the most value from it rather than speculators that are just here to buy creations and then try to sell it for more so that and the artist in the end is not benefiting from all this uh, all this speculation
0: when you make that comparison with music it makes sense because a lot of times when you hear it being talked about it sounds like the mona lisa being copied for many people and then that sounds yeah really crazy in terms of value but when you talk about it in terms of like music you can't really say it's a copy of a song i mean it's the song
1: so. Yeah. And I mean, the the way to think about it as well for Mona Lisa is that uh, you can have a copy of the Mona Lisa in your living room and it's absolutely fine. It can be the exact same as the one that is in Le Louvre. But but the one that is in Le Louvre is worth you know, billions and yours is worth uh, $10. And the difference being that one is the original and the other one is just a copy. This is what NFTs are, really, is to try to Certify that a digital file is the actual original and this is how you you know you create the token and and this is what is being sold
0: Wow very 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 interesting now tristan could you explain why there's so much hype about blockchain technology to an audience that is non-fintech because I heard someone say that blockchain technology is going to do for business and entrepreneurs what the internet did for business.
1: It's funny because now it's been, what, 12, 13 years? So it's been quite a while that, uh, that the technology has been here. I first heard about it probably 10 years ago now. There was lots of hype in 2016, then it's kind of dropped a bit, and now we're back at it. I think it's just because uh, the technology is quite interesting. It's quite revolutionary in some aspects. Uh, there's lots of money being poured into it, and I don't know if it's going to revolutionize really the business world, uh, because it's been 10 years and so far there's been some incredible changes. but. I see other technologies like artificial intelligence have also a lot of potential when it comes to the business world. There is quantum computing that is coming. So I think more broadly, technology is changing the business world in a way that, you know, it's accelerating and more and more you'll see new technology and becoming cheaper. And, you know, what I was saying about having all the fintech tools for an entrepreneur right now, but more generally all the tools that you have to start a business. And I think broadly technology is changing the business world in a way that has never happened before. And I would put blockchain within that change, but not exclusively, I would say. I would say it's one of many technologies that is changing the business world right now. Blockchain, very simply, is just, it's a distributed database in the sense that it's blocks Basically, what happens is that information is stored into blocks. It's obviously encrypted before and it's stored into, as I said, blocks and these blocks are joined one to another and it makes a chain. So then you have your blockchain. And what makes it interesting is that obviously, in the purest sense, the blockchain stays. So. As more information comes onto this blockchain, the previous information stays. So, which means that it's transparent. You can see the changes that have been put through and you can kind of audit very clearly. Same as fintech blockchain technology, it's very different, for instance, from one cryptocurrency to another. So, the Bitcoin blockchain is very different from the Ethereum blockchain. Yeah, I guess think about it. As a way to store data by nature, it's distributed. So instead of being centralized, it's distributed across a range of computers. And in the purest sense, in a public blockchain, everybody can look at it. And so there is transparency. So you know that, you know, people are not fudging the system and not, you know, making changes to for their own benefits. It's a very simple explanation here. It's a bit more complex than that, but it is the underlying technology for cryptocurrencies. It can, it can be useful for other things. So if you think about what I was saying, uh, food logistics, for instance, if it is on a blockchain, when you're buying your Apple, if somehow you can check every step on the way, because all the information has been stored on the blockchain, you can go back all the way to the producer and know where it has been, all the changes, all the movements, so you can incorporate all that. So there are very interesting things that can happen uh, if you leverage the technology.
0: Thank you so much for that. A lot really to take, and I think a lot to go and study on. Then, What is the number one book that you'd recommend for an early entrepreneur?
1: So, yeah, so as I said, I really like Blue Ocean Strategy. I can't remember the authors. One of my favorite books that I've read several times. It's um, Harvard Business Review's uh, 10 Must Read on Strategy. Mm. It's basically a compilation of 10 articles that were published in the Harvard Business Review over the years on strategy. And it's really good because you have a few very famous, like What is Strategy by Michael Porter, which has done the, the Five Forces. So so there are a few good articles and it's really good as you get, you know, you get started as an entrepreneur to get your head around what is strategy, you know, how do I define it for my business, get an understanding or how do I define my market, how do I manage my business, you know, how do I grow. So there are a few good things in that book that I would recommend and it's an easy read really because it's broken down into 10 long-ish articles it's quite an easy read
0: we always end by asking what has faith meant to you on your journey
1: um yeah i think as a question i see generosity and giving back to people as, as being quite center in my journey what i mean by that is i've been mentoring other entrepreneurs for years now i also mentor students and it's really for me giving back as i've been i feel quite lucky in life and giving back a few hours uh, here and there is not a lot for me and i feel it's quite important i know that it's really helping others on, on their journey so i feel it's it's been quite central for me and this is where, you know, I, I just feel if, if everybody was doing it, we would live in a much better world. Uh, it's, it sounds maybe a bit silly, but I feel people don't give back as much as they should. And it doesn't cost a lot to talk for half an hour, an hour with someone, helping them develop their business, the questions that they might have, the interrogation about what's next for them. And I'm trying to help them their decision. It's been important for the past few years and, and I'll continue doing that.
0: Yeah, that's a great challenge. And Tristan Challenge all of us as entrepreneurs to really take the time to give back in time and in mentoring other entrepreneurs. Now to the audience, if you'd like to connect with Tristan, where can they connect with you, Tristan?
1: I can get in touch directly on LinkedIn, on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, on Facebook. So Uh, anywhere and everywhere i'm uh, i'm a lot on social media but yeah i encourage everybody to uh, just get in touch with me i'm responding to every message and every email always happy to have a chat about fintech or about life or about entrepreneurship so yeah please please get in touch
0: well thank you for that person and to the audience please go to fintechreview.net to read some amazing articles and catch yourself up with what's happening in the fintech space. Thank you again, Tristan, and I hope that we'll hear from you again at a later stage. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do leave a review. Let us know how we can serve you better. And let us know what kind of guests you'd like us to bring on and what exactly it is that you'd like to know. Also, connect with us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives. Or visit our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com, where you can grab a free preview of our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. Thank you so much for listening in. We absolutely value your time and we value your input. Have a great day.